Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the lives of ourselves, our family, and others. Uh Uh-oh, surprise! Oh, now what? Don't panic. Nope. But do think before you act. These might be the thoughts and the words that you have before there is a situation in front of you. This happens every day to people somewhere Somebody around has a surprise. It's an emergency that they have to deal with. Who even knows what it might be? But we can think logically and figure out what is most likely to to come into our area of um, concerns. It just might be that something happens. And then, with a, a little thought and a little planning, we can take steps to keep the pain away from us and the people who we love. I think that there are two categories of problems. First, there's the regular and the minor problems, which we can easily solve. And it's kind of like having um, an extra cell phone cord or charger or something like uh, to air up a tire. See, these are, are small problems that we can handle. And how about if there's a minor medical um, burn or a cut or something? Yeah, these are all minor. Or something to eat or drink in case you have a breakdown in your car. Or a warm coat in your car to uh, carry with you. See, these are all in that category. But the other category of a serious event, now that takes more thought. There could be a big potential problem Something major like a flood or a fire or an earthquake. And this might keep you from getting home. Or it might keep you from leaving home. These are the kind of events that can last weeks even. Hey, do you remember the Oroville Dam? Or do you remember various forest fires? And then there have been big earthquakes around the state too. And you just have to ask yourselves... What do you want to do? Stay at home if there is such an event? Or do you want to go out and find a hotel room someplace? Maybe stay with family or friends? These questions don't seem to have any very easy answers. But I hope you can give it some thought because with ideas and with plannings, we can get through the difficulties a whole lot easier and, and so think about the concerns that you would have if an emergency comes up. Look and see what you think what you should do to prepare for such a situation. And remember the basic concerns that everyone has. Uh, think of um, having some, some uh, water and some food and some warmth with you just wherever you go. Flashlights are pretty good too. And a little radio and paper towels... All those things are handy. Keep a little food and water in your car. And that's a challenge in the hot weather because mm, the cars, they get a little too hot, and then you have to rotate your food. But the point is, is you do something and do some some care for an emergency that just might come up. Uh, You don't want to be hungry and thirsty. It's just better that way. Yep, it sure is. Well, start your preparations now before there is an urgent need, and what you want is hard to find. This is episode 42, and as for today, give thanks to God for the blessings that you do have. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. 
Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior called to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Settle up your horses. Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation. Where truth trumps political correctness. Where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome, world, wherever you may be listening today to Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard For the brand of Jesus Christ, God bless you. I have so much packed into this program. I have a pencil or a pen and paper ready, maybe a laptop. You're going to want to jot some things down. This is partly a teaching program, partly a program of encouragement of uh, at different levels, I might say, admonishment, if you will, in certain places. It will likely extend into next week, but the timing of this is precise because as I speak, as I speak in this program, uh, this is done on Friday. You may be hearing it on, on Saturday or Sunday of this weekend. There is the National March for Life in Washington, D.C., which is part of our good news, of which there will be 100,000 there today. They're expecting 100,000 people at the March for Life, not to commemorate Roe v. Wade, the uh, Supreme Court decision that in 1973 said it is fine and dandy to be able to execute your innocent unborn children, but to to recognize solemnly an anniversary of death and let people know that it is not being forgotten in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but this is we have a special topic, so the program needs to be tied to the what's going on nationally inside the United States. But this is a program that is designed to reach anybody and everybody all over the world, whether you're in Ireland or Belarus, whether you are in Uganda or whether you are in Pakistan, uh, Nepal. It does not matter. In China, we have listeners everywhere. And and you know, I start with good news. I try to end with good news in between. Like I say, you just got to hang on because it's a wild ride. But I do want to throw in right at the beginning of this program, and this is a bit of good news. And that is, we are, we are kind of rattling around 30,000 listeners now nationwide. And we uh, have expanded greatly the avenues through which this program is disseminated. We have been at the three to five, four to five thousand uh, listener range throughout the southwestern portion of the United States, and those who receive the program via MP3 file, which is distributed specifically to those who sign up for it. Uh, but we've gone in a relatively short period of time, in about three months, from about that four or five thousand to somewhere around between twenty-five and the low thirty thousand, depending on. Uh, how many people listen on any particular week. So this is a huge blessing that God has expanded this ministry and has also moved me to ensure that the messages that come across these airwaves are messages that not only uh, first and primarily relate to my homeland, the United States of America, but they are messages that will undoubtedly uh, resonate with like-minded people everywhere and anywhere in the entire world. 
And for that, we are very thankful that God has given us his platform. I will always try to be faithful and true to his calling to speak that which he speaks to me, most of which greatly, uh, the great, great majority, which just simply comes right off the uh, pages of his word. So that we are going to do today, and uh, we're going to highlight the fact that this day, as I am recording this on Friday, January 18th, some of you will get this on the 19th and the 20th, and some on the 22nd as it's distributed in different places. But as I record this, the National March for Life is underway in Washington, D.C. And it is not to commemorate as an honorary thing Roe v. Wade, which in 1973 said that everybody, uh, every woman has a constitutional right to execute her innocent, unborn human life inside of the womb. No, it's not to give it honor and memorialize it. It's to draw recognition to an event for which we are still grieving. We are still we are still very pained about that will never go away. Sin does not go away. It keeps coming back. And I will tell you, the pro-aborts, those who support abortion, and I want to actually expand on that in just for a second, said in 1973, well, this is finally resolved. Now the issue will go away. And then after Planned Parenthood versus Casey, a major Supreme Court case, which I think was in, uh, I'm a little uncertain on the date, I think it was maybe around 1992, some uh, 18, 19, 20 years later, after abortion was upheld, the right to abortion was upheld, then uh, people said, well, it's finally been put to rest. It's going away. Well, you know what? The devil has had to work full time ever since then, ever since 1973, to make sure that young children and everybody else is taught that it's right to kill innocent, unborn human life in the womb. Because why? The issue doesn't go away. You cannot get rid of the truth. And the truth is a simple fact that, that abortion is the execution of innocent, unborn children inside, or you could say human life, inside the womb. No person can deny that fact unless they just want to win the stupido award of the year. So we're going to cover that because as of the time of this program, we are up to 57 million slaughtered in this country alone. We have California, better known as California, which then leads this country with 20% of all innocent killings in this United States in the, inside the womb, which means California alone is responsible for just short of 12 million innocent deaths, which is why the state is tanking and why people are leaving in droves. And there is a judgment that will be called upon this United States, which is actually really already in place, which I will show you from Scripture. Later in this program, Partly today, partly tomorrow, you're going to receive, and maybe we'll just have to do this over the website. Might be the best way to disseminate this, even as I'm thinking about it. Um, Abortion-related verses, 21 of them, that point to the absolute sanctity of human life in the womb. And then about six or seven verses, which deal with the healing, the healing verses for abortion. Now, I want to just, I want before I go further and get into the march, because we're going to take this quite methodically, we're going to start with where we are today, just briefly, politically, culturally, and then we're going to, we're going to go back through some events and then come bring it back to the present day. But I hear over and over and over again people say, why do you call them pro-abortion? Look, I'm, I am not pro-abortion. That might, person might say, I haven't had an abortion. I personally don't support it, but it's their right to do that, but it doesn't mean I am pro-abortion. Let me flip this around. Let's just suppose it's about 1857 in the United States, and you said, look, I don't have any slaves. I don't plan to own any slaves. I really don't like the idea of slavery But just because I think a person has a right to own slaves and do with them as they wish doesn't mean, which would include killing them, right? Because that's what women do in the abortion thing or the doctors do. They kill the the human life. 
So just because I support the right to have slaves doesn't mean I'm pro-slavery. Do you see how ridiculous that is? That isn't common sense. It's, it's common, common uh, idiocy. But we hear that all the time, all the time, that somehow that you can be supportive of the right without being supportive of the activity, which means if you support the right, you won't do anything to take away something that really is not a right. You would not restrict it. You would not make it illegal. You support the right, which means you support the exercise of that right, which means you support the killing. So don't give me that crapola about, hey, I really support the right to do this, but I am not pro-abortion. You are. Jesus said, if you're not with us, you're against us. Take that. All right? That's what that... Look, you can't embrace that position. So, because I said there's good news here, this is a good news. Number one, 100 million people are there today. 100 million. It dwarfs the number of the so-called Women's March that raunchy, raucous batch of women, of which I'm incredibly thrilled. None of them included my wife, uh, any uh, granddaughters, uh, nobody I know, nobody I'm related to. I'm thrilled none of them were part of that debacle. And we're going to point out the differences in just a minute here. But there are 100 million there. This issue doesn't go away. Even though, no matter how much the media ignores it, no matter how much the media supports the slaughter of the children in the womb, it will not go away. You cannot extinguish truth. You cannot vaporize the word of God. You cannot, you can ignore it, but you ignore it at your peril. You can try to forget it and let it haunt you in the middle of the night, but it won't go away. And I love, this is sort of part of our good news, I love the theme they have chosen this year. The theme of it is unique from day one, hyphen, pro-life is pro-science. Oh, I love it. They finally, finally have come upon something that needs to be brought out time and time again, which I have been bringing out for a dozen years, and I'm going to mention it later in this program if I get to it. If it's not this week, it's next week. How pro-life is, in fact, pro-science. So, next thing I am thrilled about, this is good news, is that the president, Trump, is going to speak via video. It's the best he can do, but he is going to address the rally of 100,000 people. I am thrilled about this. Donald Trump continues to show himself whether he has any personal relationship with God. I don't know. I hope he does. I hope he's saved. I hope he goes to heaven, as I hope everybody does. But the guy continues to do one good thing after another. And you compare him to the predecessors, which I put plural, but the most immediate one, Barack Hussein. Obama, look, I'm not making... Trump out to be Jesus and Obama being the Satan, uh, the devil incarnate. I won't put it at that level because I don't really know. I can't say that because I don't know where they stand spiritually. But let's just put it in terms of 21st century movie vernacular. If we were assessing them on the basis of their goodness and their evil, we would simply say Donald Trump is sort of like Luke Skywalker from Star Wars. And Barack Obama is like Darth Vader. And Hillary Clinton, had she been elected, would still be not the president's wife. She would be Mrs. Darth Vader. And all the other yin-yangs that are throwing in their towel, throw, not throwing in their towel, throwing in their hat into the ring to run against President uh, Trump next year, which, with the exception of Beto, are all women who are all jacked out of shape, all horrible, all terrible, all worse than Hillary Clinton. Because Clinton would change her mind for the audience, right? She was a chameleon. She'd be whatever she needed to be to get elected. She'd she would she get before a southern audience and start talking y'all, and then she get before a black audience and kind of go yo and fake some black dialogue. It was it was hideous. It was embarrassing. So she's a chameleon, 
And if you got enough people saying the right thing that demanded that vote from her to support it, she might change, but not the women that are running currently. No, they're, they might as well be the axis of evil that are running. They are that bad. They're sort of like Darth Vader's worst cousins, even worse than Darth himself. So I want to make a brief comparison here between the women's march of the, of the past women's marches, which today is taking on the same character, and the, uh, I'm sorry, the March for Life. The March for Life today, which is very similar in its nature and character and who's speaking uh, uh, today as it was last year and all previous marches, as opposed to the women's, the radical women's church or march, the radical leftist women's march from what, about a year and a half ago? Because this is the difference. And there are many differences. You know, see, the, the, the March for Life, they wear, you look at them today, last year, the year before, it's modest uh, clothing. They wear hats, they wear gloves, it's modest clothing. Where the women's uh, march, March for Women, what wore hats of uh, female genitalia with, you know, keep your hands off my vagina, all that stupid stuff, as though I'd really want to touch it. Sorry, but they're vile and they're crude. I don't want to go any further than that. The March for Life, there are signs, placards about protecting the most innocent in society. The Women's March, obsessed with sex, all kinds of sex. I mean, I, there is no limit to the sex that was uh, they're obsessed with and demanding affirmation of all of their sin. Because that's what they got to do. They got to feel good about being bad. The March for Life today and previous, every March for Life is profound, speaking the real truth, not to power, but speaking truth in power. The Women's March was not profound, it was profane. They say they're speaking truth to power. Well, there is no truth, and because there's no truth in what they say, there is no power. There's no power in lies. The march for life is orderly. It's clean. The women's march is raucous, left mountains, if not tons of trash. The march for life today is being ignored by the media because the media does not want to let the flashlight be shown underneath its own dirty refrigerator, which the mainstream media, of course, supports the slaughter of the innocent unborn in the womb. But the women's march was huge. Also, it was big. Not as big, not as big, but it was totally and completely glorified by the media. The March for Life has notable people leading in prayer. I don't know what Trump is saying today. I haven't had a chance to hear it. Mike Pence was there last year. But the Women's March had notable people also, and they were all speaking profanity. It was F-word everywhere. The March for Life celebrates life. The Women's March celebrates a culture of death. The March for Life advocates for the protection of the most vulnerable in society. The Women's March advocates for the right to execute the most vulnerable in society. The March for Life today, as with all previous ones, the speakers seek, the leaders and the people seek repentance at a national level. The Women's March, they seek revenge, nasty, ugly horrible, hate-filled women. Sorry. They, they got them all in one spot. I mean, I just imagine what the devils were doing above that crowd. Having a grand old time. But they've been defeated. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the women's march. March for Life expresses hope. The women's march expressed disdain, expressed outrage. Last year's March for Life, most noteworthy speaker was Vice President Pence who sought God's blessing and forgiveness for this national sin. The Women's March last year, the most notable speakers were Madonna, who spoke of blowing up the White House, and then Ashley Judd, who spoke and talked about uh, supposed incest between the president and his daughter. I mean, can you not see the difference between light and darkness, righteousness and gross, abominable sin? Last the March for Life is a crusade by those who are found. The Women's March is just a herd, a herd 
of feminists who are absolutely and completely lost. You see, it was said once, and I don't know who said this. I should have, I should have gotten it before I verified. I mean, I'm not. I have to verify it. I was only verify who said it. I'm just letting you know that yours truly is not the author of the following. That it's been said that there's no greater indicator of where a society is in either its ascent or in its stage of decline than how it treats the most vulnerable. Well said, right? Not by me, but that is in case, that is in fact where we are. I mean, we've talked about the 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 push towards assisted suicide. We've talked a few weeks ago about uh, the the pro death people wanting to compost humans and how the Planned Parenthood glorifies abortion and how churches have now made it. Some churches have made it a spiritual right, an honorable thing to offer up your children to the god Molech. We have covered all of that. It's available in archives if you want to hear that. But this, this is where we are as a country, that so much does God hate the shedding of innocent blood, that it was the reason he judged Israel despite Manasseh's repentance. Now, I'm gonna, I've got to insert this. Manasseh was the worst, most sinful king in Israel, the absolute worst. Now, the reason we don't read quite as much about him as some of the other kings is because he actually repented. At the very end of his life, he repented. But it's said that he caused Israel to err, to sin more than anyone else. And so he caused him to sin so much that by the time he was done, notwithstanding his repentance, Israel must be judged, as it said in 2 Kings 21.16, because of the amount of innocent blood. Look, we can talk about the horrific, abominable practice of everything homosexual. We could talk about the pastor, who just this last week got fired up in Northern California, or was forced out, because he put on his uh, sign out front, uh, Bruce Jenner is still a man, homosexuality is still a sin, the culture may change, but the word of God does not. It's horrible where we are in this country. It's, we have many great sins, but the worst sin of all of them, and it started with this, is in the abortion area. And it is the worst sin is the shedding of innocent blood. So much so that Manasseh's repentance as the leader did not change Israel's judgment because all of Israel now was no longer following their leader. They were following what their leader used to advocate. Now, this is a point that I brought out before regarding Barack Hussein Obama, and that is it wouldn't have mattered other than to Obama personally had he repented of his sins and what he's done to this country at the end of his reign because he has taken the country down a path further to the dark side than any other previous president. And that's why we have the vile, wicked media and people who uh, talk about blowing up the White House and killing Trump and all those sorts of things. It's the, the country. He took the country to a point which, it, like a ratchet, it has not gone backwards and improved notwithstanding the goodness of Trump, uh, and notwithstanding had Obama even repented of his sins. Alexander McLaren made this comment, and I want to quote him before we go farther in this, and I'm not getting through this nearly as fast as I hoped. This is why the United States is so uniquely susceptible to God's judgment. And... For those Republicans faking righteousness who really aren't pro-life, but they sort of tow that because they can't get elected if they don't come out with that mantra, why they, those Republicans, would be judged more harshly than the openly pro-abort Democrats is for the reasons stated here in what Alexander McLaren stated, and I quote him, Manasseh, what we just talked about, is said to have done like unto the abominations of the heathen, and he is said to have done evil more than all of the nations around about. 
So when a worshiper of God does does like the heathen, he actually does worse than they. An apostate Christian is more guilty than one who has never tasted the good word of God and is likely to push his sins to a more flagrant wickedness. The corruption of the best is the worst. We cannot do what the world does without being more deeply guilty than they. End quote. So, open repentance, good. A leader that's good, great. But ultimately, the nation needs to repent. So, moving on. Why this, why this issue? Why at this time? Well, we're going to move through a bunch of things here. I wish I had the time to give you all these abortion-related verses. I'm going to have to have help getting them up on the website, which is redskyradio.net. They are not up there yet, but we're going to get them up there where we'll have 21 uh, uh, verses that state and show how God is completely, totally, absolutely most pro-life dealing with judgment on uh, the abortionists ah, and healing for those who have had abortions. Now, before I go on to the next segment of this program and before our break, I want to say something and make this very, very clear. I am uh, very supportive of ministries which help women who are pregnant in unwanted pregnancies, women who have had abortions are dealing with post-traumatic abortion syndrome, which is very clear, very, very real. Those who are having a significantly increased exposure to cervical cancer and, in fact, have cervical cancer related to having had an abortion. All of that exists. The pro-aborts deny it because they cannot afford to let their fast-moving train be slowed down by anything moral, anything factual, anything scientific that would point to the impracticality, the immorality, the uh, the medical dangers, all of those things, because nothing good comes out of, out of sin. They cannot afford to have that train slow down, lest the train actually be brought to a stop and it be turned around. But I do want to say this. While I am supportive and we support financially ministries that deal with pro-life, that deal with women who have had abortions and being supportive of them in the proper kind of way, we even support financially a ministry for many years that, that takes children, encourages women who have gone to prison I don't know, they got pregnant somehow in prison or they were pregnant when they got sentenced and they didn't know it, but they end up giving birth versus abortion in a prison and this organization in Kentucky takes care of those children for those women who are incarcerated. We support all of those kinds of ministries and they are good and they are necessary. But I cannot say that the support for the woman's emotional needs and financial needs ever exceeds or should exceed the issue of the life of the child. Now, I'm going to have to repeat that. I'm running out of time. I didn't get this finished before the break. I'm going to have to repeat that and explain why that is so important. When we get back, this is Rob Wolder, the Red Sky Radio. Do not go away. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. I think I'm going to 
We are back. This is Rob Walter with Red Sky Radio. We are on the issue of abortion. This is the day, as this is being taped, that the March for Life is going on, even as I speak. 100,000 strong. The media wants to ignore it uh, because they can't handle the truth. They can't deal with the truth, unless they be convicted of their own sins. Uh, President Trump is speaking there, unlike Barack Hussein, who would never approach a march for life because he was fully on, fully supportive of the execution, the right to execute innocent, unborn uh, human life in the womb. So before the break, I made a statement, and because I couldn't finish it, then I have to finish it now. I made the comment that notwithstanding our support and our need as a church, as individuals, as a society, to help women who uh, who have both had abortions with that with the stress, the post-abortion uh, syndrome, which they many suffer from, as well as those who have kept their children and have a a, a tough road. Uh, now, maybe some of them should l- submit them and, and relinquish them for adoption to good homes and families. I think some have maybe made a mistake not doing that, but they've made the biggest, best decision that does need to be made, and that is to not have the child killed. But I, I don't want, as I hear sometimes, why are we still focusing on abortion instead of, of on the women that have had the abortions? Well, I cannot raise above the life of the child the woman's emotional care and health. Yes, yes, they need to be assisted. They need to be helped and supported in all of those things. But I, I and we, and we support ministries financially with our dollars that deal with women who've had abortions, uh, women who have not had abortions, and are having children. Like we mentioned that ministry in Kentucky before the break. Well, it can't rise above the issue itself, and here is why. Because if it does, you have now placed the woman's um, emotional financial state to be more important than, than the child himself or herself. And that is exactly what the Supreme Court did when they upheld abortion in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case a couple of decades ago. They said the woman's emotional life is at stake now, not physical life, emotional life and financial life and all of this stuff. So they, t- they changed life from being dead or alive to sort of like justice. We don't have justice anymore. We got social justice and environmental justice and all that happy crapola that distorts the word justice. Well, anytime you put light, something in front of life, you've changed the meaning of the word life. And they lifted the state of the woman at any and every state above the life of the child and therefore ended up permitting abortion essentially in all cases right up to uh, the ninth month and being able to suck the brains out of the babies uh, out of the child as a child emerges from the womb in what's called partial birth abortion. The most hideous, obscene, grotesque, macabre practice there ever was. And yet you have churches that support it, like the Presbyterian Church USA, that supports something that Hitler envied. Hitler liked that stuff. Hitler was a fan of Margaret Sanger. He he glorified those procedures. Well, I'm moving off target here, so let me get back to where we needed to be. Need to be. So this message is important. We have we, there, there's an execution in the United States every two months. There are more die from abortion in this country every single year than died in the World Trade Center in 2001. And God is not ambivalent. God is not trying to figure out what is right or wrong here. He makes it very clear. He said in the, in the book of Joshua, you either choose life or choose death, but, but I, I, said, I choose, choose life. The recommendation is you choose life. We've covered the seduction of the church. The churches that somehow think that the way to win people over is to become more like the culture. Well, when a church becomes more like the culture, what are you winning them over to? How can you win them over to something that has become just like them? That's no winning over. Well, 
The fact of the matter is, I'm going back to this issue about the woman and the men, because I don't want to leave the men out here. There are many, many abortions that are forced on women by the men. Obviously, women can't get abor- can't get pregnant without a man, so a man bears a responsibility. But the increased inability or unwillingness of the church to defend the uh, the unborn in a uh, a misguided effort to only deal with a woman who's gone through it or didn't go through it and support the child without they feel like if we cannot oppose abortion without somehow offending the women who've had the abortion. You see, in doing so, you raise the present emotional needs of the woman above the child, which is exactly what the Supreme Court did in approving and upholding abortion in 1992. They lifted all of the needs of emotional, financial, blah, 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 above the issue of do we have a dead baby or do we have a live baby? But it's but in so doing, and I'm starting with the church because the church is the most responsible for where we are. I could explain, I, I mean, I could pound on the Democrats, but the Democrats are Democrats partly due to because the church hasn't done what it's doing. The Supreme Court is partly where they are because the church hasn't done what it's been doing or should be doing. It's just not doing what it should be doing. But the increased inability or more appropriately, the unwillingness of the church to defend the unborn, and I want you to listen to this closely, actually denies the opportunity to women to be healed. It does. As long as all the time is spent consoling the woman and the men, they don't ever, ever have to really confront the sin. Men and women for whatever the sin is, deserve to have their sin confronted. If the sin isn't confronted, then there's no opportunity for confession and repentance. How would you and why would you confess something you don't know to be wrong? And everybody's just telling you, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Oh, we want to just, we, we love you as a person, all which is well and good. But understand it's a sin. Why would you deal with somebody who's in prison who raped somebody and say, hey, it's a, you know what, let's not deal with that. I love you and I support you, blah, blah, blah. But if they never dealt with their sin, they'll never be healed. If they're never healed, they're never going to be able to really truly seek God's forgiveness. They'll never be able to forgive themselves. If sin isn't ever confronted, it will never be confessed. And therein lies the biggest problem of the church is not in the support of the women who have had abortions or those who are in single-parent households helping them out. Um, The biggest problem with the church is that in so doing a good thing, they haven't dealt with the ultimate thing, and that is helping lead those that are involved to a confession of sin and the repentance and then move on. You see, the denial of women who have been grossly exploited by the abortion industry, which I might add the Democrats, who are disproportionately supported by blacks and Hispanics, where do the Democrats have all their Planned Parenthood clinics? In black and Hispanic neighborhoods. Folks, the, the Democrats haven't changed in 150 years, from Jim Crow to their support for slavery, to you name it. They want you controlled. They don't want you liberated. And if control means limiting your numbers, then so be it. But you have this exploitation, and it is. The left exploits women who are pregnant for their profit. We pay over a half a billion dollars to plan non-parenthood to help them execute innocent unborn children. There is a, it's, it's, it's a marketing, there's money in it. I remember this cartoon from many, many years ago, a sobering cartoon that showed by uh, Stasekel was his name, was a cartoonist. And I think he uh, was a cartoonist for the Colorado Springs Gazette or whatever. It's Colorado Springs something. And this goes back 20 some years. But it was a, a, a and, and uh, was poignant, and it was an abortion clinic, and there is a gift room 
There's a room, a, a little gift center at the abortion clinic. And it shows this uh, a former f- or, or uh, almost father and an almost mother because she just had an abortion going over to the gift center and looking in the case there and looking at um, a display of cigars. And the cigars were labeled pink and blue, with or pink and blue labels, and on them it said, it would have been a boy, and it would have been a girl. And they're looking uh, somewhat gleefully at this, like, which, uh, which one should we pick out? I guess apparently not knowing whether they killed a boy or killed a girl, that's their real dilemma. You see, why do we support pro-life ministries? Why does the church need to do what it hasn't done? It's doing some things good, but if it's doing some things good to the exclusion of dealing with this issue right down at the tarmac where the rubber meets the road at the raw sin level, it's ultimately doing a a disservice by denying the women and the men the opportunity to be healed because they've prevented them from being confronted by the sin. Why do we speak out strongly in this ministry and in the churches where I've been a part of? And if they don't speak out strongly, I, I, I give the pastor a word or two on the issue. And if they don't straighten out, I leave. I'm not going to support uh, compromising, kind of feckless, middle-of-the-road, lukewarm pastors. Got no use for them. Jesus said in Revelation he's going to spit them out of his mouth. And I guess that means we can too. But it says in Proverbs 31.8, take this down. Open your mouth. Open your mouth, meaning you speak, act, give, behave. For the speechless, who would be more speechless than children in the womb? In the cause of all who are appointed to die. Who could be more speechless? Who could be more appointed to die than a child who's in the womb in an abortion clinic, being ready to executed, be executed, and no one is speaking on the child's behalf. All you've got are a bunch of doctors who are going to get paid, doctors loosely so-called, to commit murder and participating with a woman who's been exploited, who's been talked into it. Show them. Why do, why do, why do the pro-death squads, the pro-aborts don't want abortions? I mean, I'm sorry, don't want uh, ultrasounds. Why do they fight ultrasound laws? Because the truth exposes the lie. Gee, it looks like a baby. It's got a head. It's sucking its thumb. It's an, oh my gosh, is that really a child? You told me it was a product of conception. You told me it was just a fetus. The lies. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. I will give you that passage, and you decide what to do with it. To what extent will you stand up? Will you speak? Will you write? Will you open your mouth for those who cannot open their own mouth, who but, but who have a death sentence against them? Well, okay. i got to fit something in here yet. I'm going to try to get this done here before we get on to the, the biblical passages. We may not get to those till next week. There is no basis for abortion on a secular level. I'm going to get to the religious part in a minute, or maybe next week. There is no basis for abortion even on a secular level. Morally, medically, philosophically, legally, or logically. Now, what have we heard forever? Ad nauseum. It's part of the woman's body. It's part of my body. Keep your hands off my vagina. That whole thing. Gosh, I wish they would quit with this nasty, ugly V conversation. Why, as though we would want to touch it anyway, is beyond me. Nobody's talking about touching you. We're talking about saving a child. But the basis has always been, it's my body, my body, my body, my body, my body. You can't touch my body. I want, I'm here to say that it isn't your body. We start with the thing about, well, it's not life, but you know all of medical science rebukes that. There's respiration, there's a heartbeat. Only just absolute, complete numbskulls would say it's not life. 
I've been down that path with uh, with uh, debating the matter with some women. But it is not part of a woman's body. Common sense dictates it. And why does it dictate it? How does it dictate it? Consider this. I've said this before, but it's spent some time. If you think that it's part of a woman's body, I would like you to take a, a sterilize a needle, pinprick your left index finger, pinprick your right index finger, take a blood sample from each, take it to a lab, and see if the DNA from your left index finger matches the DNA from your right index finger. And if it does not, then you missed your calling. You should have been in the Barnum and Bailey Circus, the Ringling Brothers Circus, because you should have been part of a freak show, because it's an impossibility. When the DNA from your left big toenail matches the DNA from your hair follicle, which rep matches the DNA from uh, a skin sample, which rep which matches the DNA sample from your spit, which matches the, the DNA sample from your blood. Tell me, why does the child in the womb have a different DNA? How can it be part of your body with a different DNA? Impossible. It's why I love this year's theme in the March for Life. Unique from day one, pro-life is pro-science. The pro-aborts are anti-science. They're anti-ultrasounds. They're actually anti-DNA. And the fact of the matter is if you were wondering whether there was really, whether this was really a meaningful life, that's what the Supreme Court said. You know, while it might be life, well, they knew it was life, but they couldn't dare say it wasn't life unless the whole Supreme Court that voted for Roe v. Wade looked like just absolute, complete morons. They had to back up and say, well, it's not, it's not meaningful life. And that's all, folks. That was the end of it. They didn't go any further. It's not meaningful life. And we deserve, we have discerned, we have decided that meaningful life uh, begins at, uh, let's flip a coin here, 23 weeks. They played God. They played, well, they, that's what they were trying to do. And so they made a choice that it wasn't about life. They changed between life and lifestyle. That's all there is here. I mean, is there is there a, a disadvantage to raising children from a financial standpoint? Of course there is. There are also all kinds of setbacks. You could have children that get into trouble legally. They could end up on drugs. They could get pregnant. They could do all sorts of things. But the beginning of the story is not necessarily the end of the story. The fact of the matter is when it comes down to the issue of life, you cannot be pro-choice and be pro-life. You can't have the choice to kill when the one who is killed has no choice. Simple? Yes, it is. Why would we look? If, and if there was a decision between whether it's life or not, why do we go to great heroics? against all odds to save somebody who's fallen out of a boat in the English Channel and they're going to die of exposure for being in that water for whatever, 80, uh, what, I don't know, 45 seconds or 2 minutes and 10 seconds or whatever the normal t uh, water temperature there would provide a maximum survival time frame for saving that person. They can't live for 2 minutes or more than 2 minutes, whatever it is. And yet we search for them for days on the mere hope, the shred of hope against all odds that life may be present. If you were to err, would you not err on the side of life instead of on the side of death? I don't even want to say this next thing, but, but it's important because sometimes for people who are really thick skulled, I'm not suggesting you listening to this, that you are, but take this argument to those you know to be thick-skulled. Or better yet, get a copy of this program from uh, the podcast on Dark Sky Radio or go to our, red, our redskyradio.net where you can not download the program, but you can listen to it, and you can certainly send the website on to others to hear this message in next week's because it's important. I hate to go to this extent, but if, the, if notwithstanding the DNA... 
notwithstanding that there is still this thought that somehow it's still part of the, the part of the body. How can a woman have a part of her body that's male anatomy? How can a woman carry a boy? You know what body parts I'm talking about. You know the genitalia I'm talking about. I don't have to say it, and I'm not going to say it. How can a woman have those body parts if it's part of her body? Could only carry those body parts. Cannot be part of her body. Notwithstanding the ridiculously stupid and grossly immoral tranny movement that's out there. Well, they might say, well, it's just a fetus. It's just a fetus. It's fetus is a stage of development. You ever understand? You ever Realize that when when a person wants their child, it's a baby, and when they don't want their child, it's a fetus. It changes definitions based on whether they want it or not. What if someone said, well, you know what, it's only an infant. Ah, it's only a toddler, but it's intentional. When one wants an abortion, it's a fetus. When she wants a child, it's called a baby. That's how they distance themselves from the gruesome reality to avoid the harsh reality. And it's and again, by 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 and large, it's an exploitation of the women that's going on here to con them into doing something that actually is being encouraged by those who probably have committed the same sin, want to feel good about their sin, want to feel fine about their sin, and the way they do that is by encouraging others to participate in it. The unwanted child, well, I'll tell you something. There are unwanted pregnancies, but there are no unwanted children. Because let's ask the children whether they want themselves, right? We have unwanted neighbors, right? We have unwanted bosses. We have unwanted husbands. We have unwanted wives in some cases. We have unwanted pets. We don't just get rid of them by execution. Should the woman have a right to choose? Not for the death of another human, no. For her convenience and lifestyle, no. Child has no choice. He ends up dead. But he's the one who's the most effective. See the whole nonsense about reproductive choice. Look, when a woman's pregnant, she's already reproduced. That's why this you this March for Life is significant this year because it's unique from day one. Day one, you have already reproduced. The reproduction is in process. That's why the reproductive choice is a bunch of nonsensical, hypocritical crap. The only proactive choice is death. You default, you have life. You sit around, you eat bonbons, or you work at a hardworking job, you have a child. The only proactive choice is to kill. We should choose what God would choose. It's Deuteronomy 13, 30, 19. I didn't have it earlier. It just came to me. Deuteronomy 30, 19 that says we should choose life. Of course, we have media bias. They choose, they say, we're pro-choice. They never use the word pro-life because life will trump choice. Hey, I like ribeye better than hamburger. I like choice. But life will always trump choice. Legal arguments, legal arguments. I have to finish with this because I'm going to run out of time. Understand there's only one legal precedent for Roe v. Wade. And it was Dred Scott decision, which I forgot whether it was 1854 or 1857. The Supreme Court said, your black slaves are not persons. They're property. KKXX Paradise K280GL Chico and K283AR This hour from townhall.com I'm Keith Peters There will be no State of the Union address by President Trump from the halls of Congress at least for now 
House Speaker Nancy Pelosi canceled the event this afternoon. Pelosi says Democrats cannot back down over President Trump's border wall demands. There is serious and justified concern that this president would shut down the government anytime he does not get his way legislatively. That is why we must hold the line on this shutdown in government. The cancellation brought an immediate response from the president. The State of the Union speech has been uh, canceled by Nancy Pelosi because she doesn't want to hear the truth. She doesn't want the American public to hear what's going on. And she's afraid of the truth. He did not detail his next move, saying we will be announcing what we're doing. Venezuela's crisis quickly escalated on Wednesday as an opposition leader, Juan Guaido, backed by the Trump administration, declared himself interim president in a direct challenge to embattled socialist Nicolas Maduro, who retaliated by breaking off relations with the United States. Canada's foreign affairs minister, Christia Freeland, says Canada as well as